0: I am a snotty boy. My apologies. I was sneezing all up and down while you were talking, which
1: I'm a snotty boy, too, but only in the sense that like I've been doing a lot of like English education professional stuff lately. And English educators are like, by and large, one of the more liberal groups of people you'll find. So like every time I'm talking to someone, I'm like, let me tell you about political action.
0: Um, (laughs) Different kind of snotty boy.
1: Welcome to Chapel Bell Curve, a stats-focused podcast about UGA football. I'm Nathan.
0: And I'm Justin. And we're back.
1: Yeah, we're back. We're going to come back from our month-and-a-half-long hiatus and um, create something beautiful for you, because we are your
0: beautiful number boys. We took a sweet, beautiful nap together. Yeah just throw up the numbers arms
1: yeah <laughs> uh we haven't totally settled on like the mythology of why we just missed a month and a half of recording so i'm just gonna just start throwing out a bunch of really weird crap and y'all tell me when something sticks so today we're gonna kind of bring you up to speed on what's happened since we last recorded on the national championship which i still sort of have a hangover from a metaphorical one i didn't drink i was just sad um then we're gonna do a lot about uh recruiting we're gonna talk about this really, 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 really excellent class that UGA just brought in. Um, and then we're going to just talk a little bit about just the general off-season plan, what you can expect to hear from us, uh, what we're going to be doing with our Patreon, all that stuff. So I hope you're excited because we are
0: as well. You know, you touched on the mythology of why we weren't around for a month and a half. And I think it's, to me, it's it's plainer to see than, than just that. It's just like for five months, we had our heads down and we were working through this current events podcast and we did a lot of work didn't we we ignored a lot of other pieces of our lives yeah (laughs) and I think we both realized at the moment that everything was over and we looked up around and we're like what year is it
1: yeah and I mean I will say too like I part of it was I mean I I guess we're just gonna dive right into this so I mean for me part of the gap was um just being sad and then a lot of it was also just the fact that like I've had a lot go, a lot of really actually positive things going on in my professional life lately mm-hmm. as a teacher, mm-hmm. and that just has sort of taken the front seat. And um, you know, it's hard to simultaneously record a current events podcast and also uh, be getting grad grad school certification mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and you know presenting at conferences and all this crap
0: that's been happening. So, yeah, but here we are. So it happens. On you know, I've I've been working on other podcast endeavors I've actually started freelancing and creating podcasts for other people and so this Mm -hmm. podcast was uh, a huge stepping stone into that into that direction really so I'm glad we're back and doing the one that got us yeah
1: I mean and we're we're definitely committed to we're going to be here to stay we just needed a little bit of uh time off I wish in hindsight that we had just gotten one national championship one out but I was Mm -hmm. just I if we had lost that national championship big or we had won it I think we would have probably gotten one out, but like the two days after the national championship, I was basically just crying. And so, I mean, uh, I know that waiting since last Saturday has already done like a really excellent postmortem that you should go listen to just about like where we are as Georgia fans. But suffice to say that like uh, my take on it now that I've had a month and a half is that, you know, um, the four team playoff makes it such that it is way easier to get into the national championship conversation. And I think that, I think that, it would be foolish not to expect UGA to go back to that. Like when I have been talking to um, the people at the Redcoats, I have sort of been evangelizing the idea that we need to be, we need to plan as though we were going back to the SEC championship and the playoffs and make our plans accordingly, because it's more likely that we do than we don't in the next three or four years. So we need to be, we need to have the band ready to do that. Um, and so, when you've gotten to that point where, like, logistically, it makes more sense to prepare for it than not prepare for it, I think that you have to feel pretty good about where we are in the last four or five years. And you know, I know there's a sense of like, oh, well, maybe that was the one time or blah blah blah, and everything has to rake right. But I think that kind of thinking is sort of a lot more influenced by the way that the BCS championship worked. If anything, in the next four years, it's going to be even it's going to be even easier to get into the conversation because I pretty I feel fairly confident that we're going to go to an 18 playoff before too long um so i would say you know if we look at what's happening in recruiting if we look at what's returning next year i think that we don't really have a lot to worry about like i'm not saying we're going to the national championship next year i'm just saying that you know we acting as though that this might have been our one chance and it's going to be like you know friday night lights where billy bob thornton slash coach taylor the other guy who actually went to uga (laughs) right off into the sunset and just come so achingly close and then it never happens like i think that kind of ignores the way that kirby has in only two years changed this program over to a program that is uh built sort of for the long haul if the long haul is the next three
0: or four years i would say yeah yeah i think we're doing just fine um you, you touched a little bit on the, the waiting Since last Saturday episode. And, and by saying it's like an excellent postmortem episode, it's such an understatement. They did such an excellent job and I might just be a Will Leach fanboy but I really, really love the way that Will Leach is really, he didn't start as a UGA fan. Not many people probably know like his story and everything, but he, he comes from up North and he is a, a later in life UGA fan like myself. And so it's neat to see somebody fall in love with a program and a town and a city and, and mm. just a, a mm-hmm. fan base the way that he has. And he, Writes beautifully, so you should definitely yeah. go check it out. Yeah, he, he, he does write very well. Um, and also,
1: just for the record, if you are angry at my politics, don't read anything he
0: has to say about politics. <laughs> just putting that out there. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, let's just gloss right over that then and go right into recruiting. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, uh, what, do you, what do you say? I, I will say,
1: here's my last thought. Wait. What do you say about the national championship? I mean, you're, you're, you're one play away,
0: and yeah, that, that aches and it hurts, but... It was more than one play away, though. If we want to get down and dirty into it, like, if you really want to talk about it... Well, we it had was... them
1: third in... They, they were third and long. They
0: don't connect on that. I think we've got <laughs> a decent play... A decent if you want camp, to look at it right. technically, yeah, it's, it's that we're one play away. But if you want to look at the whole game, it's like five or six plays that you can pinpoint exactly where the game went wrong. Right, and, but...
1: I would say that if one or two of those breaks goes the other way, then we're sitting here talking about our first national championship in 38 years and yeah, it absolutely. didn't happen. And that's like super sad or whatever. But I feel like that it, I know this is going to shock everyone because uh, we're usually so emotional on the show, but <laughs> I think that um, if we are just looking at this rationally, like if we're looking at this from like a pure ration rationality perspective, what we would say is that, like it doesn't really it's it biases our thinking to think about how close we came and what what we need to instead do is take this last season and talk about it in the context of like how does this project us going forward and i think that if we did that what we would find like if we were a neutral fan base and we were like wisconsin fans or something and someone asked us hey what teams are most likely to get their first national art championship um in the playoffs in the next 4 years uga would be like literally the list yeah. um so and that actually transitions pretty nicely into what I want to talk about next, which is that, you know, part of the reason that we lost the national championship is that we don't have we didn't have any, like, traditional lockdown cover corners, which is mm-hmm. definitely something that apparently Kirby Car- Kirby Smart knew. If you look about if you look at this class that was uh, constructed in Ooh, on yeah. February and December,
0: so let's talk about recruiting. Now you got me all jazzed up about the national championship again, though. Now I want to talk about it. Do you want to? Damn it! Okay, well let's talk about it. This morning, I was I was making coffee, and ma- I started to make breakfast and stuff, and I was like, you know, I, we don't have to get too far into the national championship, and then you started talking about it again, and now I'm like, you know, we could talk about this, and I could talk about the national championship for quite some time, but yeah, it, it, we could talk about why it was a tough loss, we could talk about where we see ourselves going next, and you made a great point about, he knew that Kirby Smart knew what our biggest weaknesses were, and apparently Nick Saban did as well, when he put in his uh, backup quarterback that hasn't started a, a freaking game all yeah. year, yeah. Um, who was essentially the kryptonite to exactly what you know we were weak at it's good that you brought it up because that's exactly what this recruiting recruiting class is doing it's it's building on those weaknesses and we're going in the right direction essentially
1: i think we are i mean look i'm not trying to be flippant about the experience like i was there i had to sit there and just for the record they didn't let the band leave until like 30 minutes after the end of the game so we had to watch the trophy ceremony so let me tell you like nobody understands more the the emotion in the moment of that game like I did not get to walk away like I had to sit there and then I had to walk across the field covered in Alabama confetti mm. and like and it took like an hour to get back to our thing and everybody was sick and then like Alabama's band was like s- you know celebrating right next to where we were loading so like trust me I get it and I get that I haven't been a UGA fan as long as a lot of people but I just think the the hallmark of this Of this podcast is that we play it by the numbers and that we, you know, we, we try to approach a rational perspective to the, to, the you know, to UGA football and to thinking and et cetera, et cetera. So I just really think that as much as it hurts and it does hurt, I get it. That you have to just look at what this season means for UGA going forward, what it means for our place in the national conversation. We are still not going to be talked about the way Alabama and Clemson and Ohio State are because we're not, we haven't been as consistently successful. But if we have a good year next year, like we are going to be one of the teams for the next three or four years. Yeah, we're we're already we're going to talk about 2018 recruiting, right? Which we were the number one ranked class next year. We are already the number one ranked class for 2019. We have the top two wide receiver commits in the nation, which are both from Georgia. And we're like just shredding it already for 2019. and 2020, there's like three prospects in Georgia that are already UGA liens that are supposed to be like, you know, three of the top 10 prospects in the nation. So, I mean, it's okay to be sad, but let's not let our melancholy like reflect the way that we're moving forward with this program. Because I will tell you this, like Kirby Smart is definitely not. And if you think that Kirby Smart is still sad at this point about the national championship, like I'm sure if you put him on true serum, he would admit it. But he is so <laughs> far past that. He's so far past, past that.
0: that. Yeah. And holy cow! Like speaking of our weaknesses, like this this recruiting class, it fixes doesn't fix it. I can't say it fixes it, but it definitely remedies a lot of those things. It's a it's a little band aid, and we're hoping that we're looking for a, a real permanent solution to those issues.
1: Do, do you do you want to like just uh, start getting into recruiting here?
0: Oh yeah, just uh, something right. to think about going forward too is that. We're going to talk about uh, returning production and how that matters into s p Plus rankings. And we're going to talk about our, uh, our S&P Plus rankings for this 2018 season and how those all work. And something to think about while we're naming all these players and positions and whatnot is that one of the, the biggest things that matters for returning production is defense. It's weighted a little bit higher, and there's a, a more positive correlation when looking at your returning production on defense. And you'll see while we go through all this is that we do have already a great returning production on offense we're not worried about that we know all the pieces that we have there but what's really great about this 2018 class is it is heavy on defense and it's heavy on defensive talent and so this next year while it might not be the most cohesive group just yet we are going to have a fantastic returning production on defense the following year i just want to
1: point out with my 2019 comment so if you look at the top 10 um national players for 2019 uh only three of them are signed. Jaden Hazelwood who was who is the number one wide receiver, the number three overall prospect. Nolan Smith, who is the number two defensive end, the number five overall prospect, and Dominic Bleak, who is the number two wide receiver, the number ten overall prospect. All three of the on, the only three signed top ten players in the country in 2019 are all three signed to UGA. Woo. I love it. So just like everybody, calm down. I guess what I'm saying. So let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about this recruiting class. Let's just like buy the numbers. So yeah, uh, 26 total commits. Number one overall ranking in the nation, uh, our total 24-7 composite aggregate score, which is just like a score of how good the class was. Basically, it's just a raw number score. score. Um, and each basically each recruit, based on their evaluation from 24-7, at, combined with their evaluation from ESPN and rivals, um, is gives a certain number of points to the class. So anything above 300 is pretty much an elite class. Um, if you're above 300, that's like the, the cutoff score for like... You're going to be in the top three or four. So uh, UGA had a uh, 323.31 score, uh, 26 commits, seven five stars, the most in the history of the 24 7 composite, I would point out, 15 four stars and four three stars. Uh, our average uh, commit number, which is just like the rating, was 94.23, um, 99 being like a, an all American, awesome, amazing five star, 90 being like the cut. I think that you need to be a high four star, Cessalo so five star. I think it was like 90, 92. So our average commit ranking, our average commit number rating was 94. Um, we Our 323.31 score was uh, a whopping six points above um, number the number two, Ohio State, which is at 317, and 20 points above the number three. And I saw someone point this out. The difference between us and number four, so 323, number four, USC had 291, right? Is the same as the difference between like us are is the difference between like usc and like number 17. so like we lapped the field like so 18 ucla is 245 right number four uh usc is 291 that's about 50 points right and we are almost that much above them like we 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 lapped the field with this class Um, feels goodman yeah so i mean so just for some historical perspective uh this is the second highest class score in the history of the modern recruiting uh, composite rankings at 24 uh, 7 second only behind the 2010 florida class at 323.7 so you're 0.4 off uh, the number one class of all time and we had only 26 signees and that class had 28 and in fact of the top three alabama's from last year which had 29 commits was number three and um we have the lowest number like that was we got the number two overall class with only 26 commits and the other in the top three are 28 and 29 recept- effectively and in fact if you look at it by recruiting average like the the average number 94 we are actually third or we're fourth but all three of the ones above us have more than 26 commits and if you take it on just like a per commit basis we're actually second there's no possible way to spend this as anything other than just like an insane day for us
0: it was awesome it was fantastic i was only going to add that quay walker was uh 0.006 away from our eighth five star which uh would have just been yeah just been gravy, really. Yeah.
1: yeah. Well, I mean, and if you, okay, so we have five consensus five stars in the 24 7 composite, but if you mm-hmm. take it as like a five, a person who's a five star on any of the rankings, um, mm-hmm. I think Clay Walker bumps up to a five star on ESPN, and there's like one other, and you actually get to like nine five stars if you take it from everybody. That feels good. So just here's some more dog porn for you. Georgia uh, has signed more four- and five-star recruits in the last two years, 42, than Florida and Tennessee combined at 36. Georgia has signed more four- and five-star recruits in the last two classes, 42, than Florida or Tennessee on their own in the last four years. So we signed more four and five star recruits than the rest of the SEC East combined this year. We signed um more than anyone else in the conference and we signed there were like 13 five stars in the conference and we signed seven of them. And in fact, we signed 7 of the 31 five stars overall, which means one out of every four or five star player in the nation went to UGA. There's no way to spin this other than total dominance. This this recruiting class is and will always be a death star. This is a this is a class. <laughs> like i'll i'll give it i'll put it to you this way um of the top five classes in the 24 7 overall composite ranking um anyone they're all over like about 315 all five of them won a national championship
0: seems pretty good so
1: if you're asking me like why i am so happy about this class that's why
0: yeah that statistic right there
1: and if you go down even farther, like if you – Ohio State at 2018 is the only other class who's not won a national championship in the top six or whatever. But if you go down, 2006 USC won a national championship. 2010 Texas won a national championship. So, like, this is the kind of class that schools that go on to win natties
0: have. So we're going in the right direction, which yeah. is going to be very important for that returning production number. If it's not yep. this next year, then we have a very good chance of running the table in the next few years, especially with mm-hmm. – Oh, boy. I almost said Jacob Eason. And then... Jake Fields. Yeah. You <laughs> messed me up. Justin <laughs> <I'm> Fields. <sorry. laughs> Justin so, Fields, um, yeah. I was actually thinking of Jake Fromm, but Justin Fields well, also. Well, actually,
1: that, that's sort of a... Before we get to the more, like, holistic... We just did some holistic stuff, so what I want to do now is just talk about, like, uh, some individual players that I'm yeah. excited about, and so I think it would be important or the best way to do that is just start with the seven five stars that we recruited and kind of go through them and talk about each one of them. Mm-hmm. So these are five stars via 24 sevens composite. Um, and I think one of them I might've added in, but it doesn't matter. So, yeah. Um, the crown jewel of the class is Justin Fields. Uh, Justin Fields is a quarterback. He is out of, he's out of Harrison in Kennesaw, mm-hmm. Georgia. Um, He's 6'3", 221 pounds. He's the number one overall dual threat. He's the number two player in the nation and the number two quarterback overall in the nation uh, behind Trevor Lawrence out of Car- Cartersville. So I've heard him described as a more athletic Deshaun Watson. I've also heard him described as a tall Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are not horrible people to be compared <laughs> to. He is a a he is a, an amazing runner. He's a big dude, 2'21", 6'3". He's not quite Cam Newton, but he can run and will. Uh, he mm-hmm. can run like the design... Zone read, he can scramble really well. But on top of that, he's also just like an amazing passer. He can throw every, he he throws just about every throw you can think of. He throws a beautiful deep ball. He throws with touch. He throws the speed. He's got a rocket for an arm. He's pretty much just like the just the Aristolian like the the er quarterback. Like if you wanted to design a quarterback for the nation going forward, you would pick Justin Fields because he's just he's gonna be able to do anything. Like you can put him in a system. I mean, you're not utilizing correctly if you don't run him some, but like you can put him in a system where he's just dropping back
0: 40 times a game and he's going to be able to do it. And it's something that we really haven't done much, I think, in like recent history. We just don't rely much on the option, uh, yeah, as on, every uh, other SEC team seems well, to do. I mean, we, haven't, we
1: haven't been able to. We I mean, haven't been I able mean, to. Like, almost every team in the nation at this point with a... Every team with an athletic quarterback is going to run the zone read, and we ran it a little bit, but we almost always handed it off, and we only, you know, Jake only took it, only tucked it like three or four times, which is fine because that's what he can do. But when you have Justin Fields on the field, he has he's a legitimate threat to pull that the ball down and run every time. And you know, as for his position going forward, like he my. My read on it, and based on everything I've heard, is like the reason Justin Fields is going to this school, even when they have we already have Jake Fromm, a guy who took us to the national championship, is because Justin Fields genuinely believes that he can win the job. And I mean, wow. I, based on what I've heard people say, it it seems more likely that Jake Fromm ends up starting, but it, it's on the table. Yeah, like Justin Justin Fields could take that's how good he is. He could take this spot from Jake Fromm. And I think even if he doesn't, we're going to see him in mop-up duty. We're going to see him in a running package. We're going to see him, I mean, just basically nipping at Jake Fromm's heels. And that makes that does nothing that make but make everyone else better. All right, next. And I'm just going to do these in order of just like how they're, they're ranking, basically. So uh, number two overall recruited, recruit for us this year is Zemir White. He's the only other person to break a 99 in the class, I think. No, 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 he's not. He's one of three. So, Zemir White is the number one overall running back in the nation. He's out of Scotland County in North Carolina, tiny little school. Number over nine overall player. He's 6'1", 220 pounds. Zemir White is a freak of nature. He is Todd he's Gurley. He's a
0: scary dude.
1: If you, want to see, if you want the comparison, he's Todd Gurley. He's, yeah. a, giant, he's a giant human with freaky-ass genetics who just runs through over and around people. He can pretty much do everything. He is one of those guys who has the speed to run away from you and the size to run through you. And that is rare, rare. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to even describe his running style because he it's like his running style is like whatever he needs to do to score a touchdown. He just does that. Yeah, I'm just bigger um, than you. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm bigger than you and faster. So he is. I mean, he blew out his knee. He had an ACL tear at the during the playoffs. Um, and he was such a freak of nature that he he tore his ACL partially, finished the game, and then was like, after the game, like signing autographs and then only went to the doctor like t- a, a day later whereas most people when they have an ACL tear they're like down on the ground like in agony so um while you know he's probably gonna be missed the first three or four games of the season my understanding is that there's some expectation around the program that he will come in and immediately push for playing time mm-hmm. um DeAndre Swift of course Elijah Holyfield and you know um Harry and Brian Harry will all be there uh doing very good work especially DeAndre Swift I think but I think Samir White as soon as he is healthy pushes for playing time just because he's that much of a freak of nature
0: he is absolutely insane i'm kind of watching a little bit of his highlights just through and through and he looks a full head taller than every other player on the field And
1: he, he is one of those guys that if you watch his if you watch his highlight tape uh zamir white is the kind of guy that like it, he was better than his comp he was so much better than his competition that it makes it look like his competition is bad mm-hmm. but it's not he, I mean, he he played in a decent a decent region league with pretty good competition. But then on top of that, he just makes everyone around him just way better. All I'm saying is, if you want more on him, if you just want some real like deep dog porn, um, <laughs> Zamir White has run a 4.4 yard 40 yard dash, laser timed. He has run a 10 six in the hundred meter dash. He's 220 pounds and six foot one. The dude is the dude is Todd Gurley. That's who. That's the comparison. If you look at the twenty four seven composite rate running backs dating back to two thousand eleven, Leonard Fournette was the highest overall rated uh running back. Then you had Cam Akers, Najee Harris, and then Zamir White. So that's the kind of like rating this guy's given. He's significantly higher than Trent Richards, significantly higher than Michael Dyer, Isaiah Crowell, Dalvin Cook, Brandon Williams. Like that's the. That's sort of like the stratosphere of prospect this guy's being mentioned in. And, you know, if it weren't for the rest of the class, basically all seven of the guys that I'm about to talk about would have been the highest rated player in any other class in the SEC East. And if it weren't for the rest of the class, this each one of these dudes would be the jewel of the class. This class is so weird because there's really no sleeper player for me to give you. Because basically, like, they're all just good. So... Next in the rating, we have Jamari Sawyer, four, three 342 pounds, offensive guard, number 10 overall prospect, number one in the nation, the number three overall prospect in, in Georgia, next only to the two quarterbacks. Um, Jamari Sawyer is probably the, the player that I'm most excited about in the class. Um, Jamari Sawyer is the kind of prospect that uh, recruiting agencies or recruiting people, recruiting gurus or whatever, just like go gaga over. the consensus is probably that he is the best interior line prospect in the last like 20-30 years he is a man he is ready to play right now he will probably push for the right the left guard spot the the day that he works he walks on the campus that is how good he is yeah I mean there there is a pretty good chance that the left tackle is um Andrew Thomas yeah, that the left tackle is Andrew Thomas, a guy from Pace Academy, and that the left guard is Jamari Sawyer, another guy from Pace Academy. That is how good he is. He he has a very good chance of jumping a bunch of dudes who are five-star or four-stars who have been on campus for, um, you know, a whole 24 months or something. Uh, Jamari Sawyer is the very rare five-star rated offensive guard. He is, I mean, and just in terms of instant impact, like he's probably the most important player in the class. He is incredible. Um, there's just really not a lot to say about that he just destroys people he's fast he is big he has great technique um he doesn't get beat hardly ever and if you watch tape of him from camps and when in his if you watch tape of him in games he just throws people around because he's playing with much baller players but if you watch people uh tape of him in camps just like these big five-star defensive tackles just he just stonewalls them like he is he is incredible great hands great lower body fast on his feet a guy a guy that can pull a guy that can run downfield and get a block, like just just the the guard prospect you want.
0: I was surprised by how quick he is too. This dude is huge. You said 6'4", yeah. 340, and he is so fast still. Yeah, he's,
1: he's light on his feet, and he's not I fat either. Like, no, he's I, built. I think he'll probably he'll probably get down to like three twenty um, when they cut some stuff off of him. But I mean, he is definitely one of those dudes who is like um, like Trent Thompson was a good example of this, a dude who weighs like three hundred twenty pounds, but he probably has like you know eight percent body fat or something. Um, he's just not, he's just not like a fat dude. Like that weight is like it, muscle in his yoke. That guy's also rated, all, all everyone so far has been rated 99 or above, just for the record. So next we have uh, Tyson Campbell, the latest addition to the five-star hall from UGA. Um, Tyson Campbell is a cornerback. He's 6'2 half 180 pounds out of American Heritage, which is actually also where Sonny Michelle went to school. Um, a school that's been pretty good to us. So he's the number twelve overall player in the nation, the number two cornerback in the nation, actually second only to his teammate pa- uh, Patrick Sertan Jr., who went to Alabama. Um, Tyson Campbell is a just freak of nature cornerback. the The book on him is that he is basically he, one of the more talented players in the class, and maybe like just from a pure talent standpoint. He is the kind of guy that would be rated above Patrick Sertain Jr. Uh, His problem is that he is a little bit more raw than Pat Pat Sertain Jr. And he is apparently he just has he had a tendency to occasionally just like kind of coast through parts of games because he just could lock someone down so easily. Um, And if that's like the worst thing you have to say about a guy who's rated 99, I think we're going to be in good shape. (laughs) Uh, Basically, he projects as a guy who if he comes in and he gets his mind right and he works hard, he projects as a guy who could be playing corner for us this year. Either, you know, I mean, we got DeAndre Baker back, so he'd probably be either the slot corner or the right corner or whatever, the second level corner. Um, but at the very least, I'd expect him to see him coming into nickel and dime packages at the very least. I mean, he is, he's just like 6'2", 180 pounds. Like he, he's the kind of guy that you want covering those 6'6", ride receivers from Alabama. I think he will probably play early and often. And even if that's only as a dime cornerback, I think he will come in pretty quick. Um, he's just got to work on his consistency and on just making sure he understands the way that, you know, the, the playbook for UGA works, which is going to be, of course, like much more, a significantly um, more complicated task. And even though cornerback is a very hard place to come in and play as a freshman, I'm pretty confident that just with his raw ability that he probably will.
0: Yeah. And Tyson Campbell's a name that comes up a lot in talks with Kirby uh, the last few weeks press grilling kirby about like hey what what are you going to do about justin fields what are you gonna do about samir white like those are the obvious questions but then tyson campbell comes up a lot and kirby is always saying oh i got great plans for him i got big plans and um, i definitely think we're going to see a lot of him a lot more than maybe we even think
1: um okay next so it's crazy that we just have talked about this for like 20 minutes and Mm -hmm. we still have one two three four stars to talk about (laughs) or five stars to talk about we haven't even gotten four stars yeah Next, Adam Anderson out of Rome, Georgia. He's an outside linebacker, 6'4, 214 pounds. Um, Number four, or number, he's the number one outside linebacker in the nation, number four player in the state, and the number 18 player in the nation. Um, Adam Anderson is sort of your Leonard Floyd prototype. That is who he gets compared to a lot. He wears 84, so probably rightly and wrongly he gets compared to him he's just a long rangy dude who can run he is probably a player that's a little bit more developmental which is weird to say about a five star just because we have a very good outside linebacker room with a very good outside linebacker hall this year and he's just a guy that needs to put on weight he needs to play at like 225 he's real light now but he is blazingly fast he's so quick god he is fast yeah so i'm trying to pull up his time um i'll pull up his time right now I mean, he's the kind of guy, as I'm talking through here, as I'm looking for something, he's the kind of guy who is, he projects, like, if he puts on a little bit of weight, he's going to be a first-round draft pick. That's just, that's that's where he is.
0: He's also the kind of player that, coming out of high school, he played every single sport at his school. He was on track. He did the high jump. He did, like, 400s. He played baseball. Um, and that, that kind of is, I, I imagine, being young, one, and also just being a, a literal track star. That's where that weight comes from.
1: Yeah, so he's 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 a freak. I can't find his his actual uh, speed numbers right now, but I mean he he ran track. He was for Rome. He was the um like anchor anchor leg on the four by one hundred relay for Rome. Like that's how how fast he is. Um, he's a freak of nature. So if he just gets up to like two thirty five, somewhere a little bit higher than that, um two thirty five two forty, he's gonna be uh, like hell on wheels he is not someone that I expect to play next year because as much, just because he needs to put on a little weight mm-hmm. and just You're sort of keep flesh out safe. his body. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and also just, we have a really good outside linebacker room. Yeah, next we're, year. We're even, doing even, even, even with losing Davin Bellamy and Lorenzo Carter, um, we have a really good inside linebacker or outside linebacker room. And I, and I think too, like if you want to talk about people who are a little bit more recent than Leonard Floyd, like this guy is like a faster Lorenzo Carter, I guess a little bit more physically gifted Lorenzo Carter. So like if his, if his floor is what Lorenzo Carter did at UGA, then like, we're
0: fine. Holy cow. I just saw his, uh, his stats from last year. Rome won the state championship and, uh, 83 tackles, 35 for loss, 15 sacks, and three forced fumbles. <laughs> yeah, just, just, it's insane. just an absolute freak.
1: And and a guy who committed early and really didn't get a lot of press because he committed so early, uh-huh. but just looks really good at camp, but also just a guy that when he gets on the field is just just really hard to block, has mm-hmm. really good hands, ha- is really advanced just as a technician, but just needs to add more weight and sort of resculpt his body. I'm
0: excited about any low-drama, easy-playing player that's all
1: oh speaking of which here's another one Cade Mace 6'6 318 pounds um the number three offensive tackle in the nation uh the number 22 um offensive tackle or a player overall um he is out of Knoxville Catholic where I used to live um what makes it really sweet is that he went to school in Knoxville and his dad played for Tennessee and he went to Georgia and that Mm -hmm. feels super good I would say like He's probably not going to play next year, but Cade Mays is the kind of guy who just, he's big. He's a great technician. He's clearly been well taught. I mean, there's just not a lot to say about him. He is, he's the kind of offensive tackle that you want. And in any other year, we would be very excited to have him. He probably slots in behind Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson. And there's, you know, a, there's gonna be some attrition in the offensive line room. There are just too many good players, and not everyone's gonna be able to get get playing time. But I think Cade Mays going forward really projects pretty well to be sort of the heir apparent to the left or right tackle spot. I mean, he he. I mean, there's really not a lot to say about him. He's just a big, good tackle. Like, Huge. I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had 318 pounds, six He's not. He wasn't the number one overall rated player because. Even at three and eighteen pounds, six six, he's not like a complete freak of nature like some of these guys are. But I think he's like a very if you look at his film, he didn't really play very good competition, but he's just a really good like technician. He's got really good hands, he's got really good moves, like he knows how to move his feet. So I mean, I he's one of those like probably pretty low floor players, I'd say. Like he's he's probably just gonna come in here and be steady. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I think of him kind of like um a more talented Isaiah Wynne, where in the sense that like Wynn was the kind of guy that, like, we never thought of him as a freak of nature, but now he's going to get drafted, like, maybe in the first round. Yeah, You know what I mean? And so, just because he's such a good player, despite how he looks, you know, and um, Cade Mays is just a more athletic five-star version of that, I would say. So, the get that gets us through. One, two, three, four, six of the seven foot five-stars. Mm-hmm. So, one more. Britton Cox. Britton Cox, out of Stockbridge, Georgia. He's a defensive end, 6'4", 247 pounds, number two overall defensive end in the nation behind Micah Parsons out of Penn State um number five player in the state number 23 nationally brenton cox is probably gonna play next year yeah i I don't know it's hard to say i mean because we have we have a lot of guys um sort of at his position and he might just play outside linebacker instead um there's no way there's no we don't really know where he's gonna play but if even if he has his hand down in the dirt he's probably gonna play next year dude is just and i know this has like been a, a pretty steady a pretty steady sort of theme so far but dude's just a freak yeah he's just a he's he's an absolute freak of nature he is um strong he play he can be an every down linebacker or an every down defensive end in the sense that he can rush the passer he can play the run he's big he's powerful he's got a good lower body he plays technique well I mean damn dude it's really hard to say anything bad about him he's you know I mean just a big good player he's like <laughs> a, a taller more athletic davin bellamy i guess uh, he's probably more of a defensive end play a uh, defensive end than an outside linebacker but that's what i think of him as let me think anything else i want to say say about him damn he's just really good <laughs> like yeah, he's, he's really he's really just, good He, you want to put him at that defensive end spot i see i've heard a lot of people say that he's an outside linebacker probably in a three four but i think if he puts on a little more weight and he gets at that defensive end spot he could be really good
0: yeah i think a lot of analysts are looking at him in the defensive end spot and he's definitely one of the players that you know, we could probably see him in the defensive end spot the first year. Maybe he'll he'll grow into a different spot, the outside linebacker, if we need him. I think starting out right away, he'd be in one of those slots instead. Yeah.
1: Well, and also, I, I would think that he would probably lean towards defensive end, even in—he's a—I mean, not small, but he's a touch small for a 3-4 defensive end. Mm-hmm. But I think that if he puts on a little more weight, he would lean that way just because the outside linebacker spot is super crowded. Mm-hmm. And he is another guy. He's kind of like Adam Anderson in the sense that, like, it was a big deal when he committed to us on um, the early National Signing Day, but because he committed early, like, you know, not a lot of people have been talking about him. Okay, that's the seven five-stars. I just want to point out that all seven of those guys would be the number one overall player for any other team mm-hmm. in the SEC East. I just want to, just want to point that out. Just so, say that one more time. You know, with, there are a couple of near five-stars that are, you know, there's a couple of guys in here that are, like, or one guy in particular that's like 0.5 away from being a five star, but I, you know, is there anyone else in this class that you want to talk about?
0: Um, I know we have Snizhlik leaving. Uh, I know it's not something exciting and sexy to talk about, and it's always never something we we stay on for oh, too yeah, long. Jake, but Jake Jake yeah, Jake Kamarda, Jake is coming, coming through. Jake yeah. three star coming out of Norcross, Georgia, and, and just a punter to replace Snizhlik, which is always good. Yeah, well, for us. I mean,
1: he's the, he's the number one overall punter, mm-hmm. but also if he were ranked as a kicker, he'd be like the number three all overall kicker. He yeah. does everything. He hit like a 58 yard. Field goal in the um, at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. really really good player, and the fact that he's a three star is only because he's a kicker. He is he's a kicker. <laughs> yeah, I mean if he were like how good he is compared, like I mean it's hard to explain. Like you know kickers just basically get downgraded because mm-hmm. they're kickers, but it, he is at the level where like he is like a four or five star kicker. I guess is the best way to say it. Yeah, he's gonna be really good. I'd be I'd be kind of shocked if he didn't at least start some in some position next year. Mm-hmm.
0: I think so. Yeah, I think we could definitely see a lot of him. Um, I think the only other piece that I would ask you to to kind of talk on is just we have another really big piece for national championship competing teams is whether or not they have a tight end that is uh, elite. And we have two great Mm -hmm. tight ends coming in, both four stars in Mm -hmm. Luke Ford and John Fitzpatrick. So do you have anything you want to talk about on those two guys?
1: Yeah, um, Luke Ford, 6'6", 248, number one or number three uh, tight end in the nation he everything i've heard about him and i heard this from bud elliott is that like he just talks a lot of shit <laughs> like he just <laughs> like gets up in people's face and then backs it up um he probably has a little bit he is not quite as uh, what's this what's the word i'm looking for he doesn't quite have like the straight line speed but he's just like a really good mix of like strong as hell can block a uh, really good looking player um, I'm actually weirdly probably more excited about the lower rating tight end John Fitzpatrick he uh, he's 6'6 230 I've heard him listed at 6'7 um, he's a little bit more rangier he's quick he I'd say he's a little bit faster than Luke Ford he probably is not as developed as like a running as a wide receiver but at Marist he played uh, in a triple option scheme and he is just like hell on earth when it comes to blocking he just will block the shit out of you I think both of these guys kind of fit that role you were talking about earlier with like a tight end that can flex out and can block and can be a threat downfield and can stretch the middle. So I think these guys will be really fighting going into next year. And also, I mean, they're going to, it's going to be really crazy. That tight end room is going to be nuts because you'll have Isaac Nata, you'll have these two four stars. And then on national signing day for 2019, Ryan Godey, I think is like the number two tight end in the nation for next year Mm -hmm. committed to us. Jeez.
0: Yeah. Just our offensive options in general is just going to be absolutely insane. Especially when Justin Fields, when and if Justin Fields starts.
1: I'm looking through, there's just a, there's three other guys i want to talk about real quick okay Okay. um quay walker i he you know we flipped him late from alabama and tennessee he is just an excellent three down linebacker he outside linebacker he can he can rush the passer he can um he can play or he can play the run he's just he's the kind of guy that you want to get on the field early and often and i think he will push for a little bit of playing time the other is channing tindall um channing tindall i think is Based on what I've read, and I've never seen him play, but he's the number three inside, or the number five inside linebacker, and the number three player in South Carolina. He's actually out of Columbia, which is pretty great. He is probably the closest thing we're going to have on the team to um, Roquan Smith next year. Mm. I'm not saying he's going to be Roquan Smith, but he's that kind of like big, can hit, a uh, total enforcer, um, and just like a dude who will just like mess you up over the middle. So like, I don't know if he'll push Monty Rice or Nate Patrick, but I think that. He will definitely give us a lot more depth. He's going, to be, he's going to be ready to play. So the only other two I want to talk about, uh, Tommy Bush, 6 foot five, 191 pound wide receiver, um, sort of like a, a really good candidate to step into the Javon Wims role. Um, a guy who didn't get as much recruiting atten- attention as some, and who maybe didn't do the camp circuit or whatever, and is a little bit light. It's 191 pounds. Could could you could add a little bit muscle? Um, but I think actually we will probably play next year. And then the only other guy I want to talk about, oh, Otis Reese, yeah. So a guy who I'm personally very excited about. Actually, uh, he's rated at an outside. He's for some reason he's rated an outside linebacker. He's six four, two hundred six pounds. Um, number five outside linebacker. He's from Lee County um, in Georgia, and he is just every bit an Alec Ogletree. Mm -hmm. He is a dude who is going to be like the world's, either like a light, really good cover inside linebacker, but I actually think um, UGA is going to play him at safety. And he's going to be just like the kind of guy at safety who's just like a total enforcer. Like Mark Barron, like a dude who like, you don't want to catch a ball over the middle in front of Otis Reese. He is a dude who um, is sort of known for just blowing people up. (laughs) Like that. that's like his thing. And he can run. He's really fast. And also like, I really like Otis Reese because it reminds me of the thing from animal house with like Otis, the guy that, uh, they go to see the, the concert at. And so everybody online calls him Otis, my man. Reese. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah. So those are the dudes I'm excited about. I just like sort of talked like diarrhea in the mouth there for like 30 minutes, but long story short, there's nothing to, there's no, you should not feel any way, but totally giddy about this, about this class. Like There were a couple of times when we got like okay so when we got Quay Walker he was like the number 10th or 11th rated player in our class and he would have been the number one player in like about like three quarters of the country's classes. (laughs) Like that's the kind of day we had on on National Signing Day last week and that's just the kind of recruiting that uh, Kirby Smart's doing and I think it the only other thing I want to say like holistically and I saw this pointed out a couple of places but it's like uga fans were considered to be irrational because we wanted mark a lot of us wanted mark rick gone Um, and part of the reason we said was that he was underachieving in recruiting and everyone said then like well he's getting a number 10 recruiting class like that's just a total irrational take but now we see what uga can do in recruiting and it's like it turns out we were right
0: yep it turns out we're pretty good at this dang thing
1: okay so we paused our patreon because we hadn't done anything we didn't want to charge people money for stuff we hadn't done but we're going to turn it back on um, if you're interested in looking at our Patreon, you can search Chapel Bell Curve Patreon. We'll put a link to it in the show notes to this this page. Um, the next big thing we're going to be doing on our Patreon is a total um, stats episode breakdown where we just talk about all the advanced, advanced stats and kind of like an audio glossary of stats for y'all. Um, this is something that we will eventually release to everyone, but it's one of these things that's going to be Patreon exclusive for a while. So if you want to get in on that, um, I'm thinking, and this is just like out of my ass, but like I would imagine we would keep that Patreon exclusive for a while, like only move it over to, um, the public when, you know, like at the beginning of next year or something, or at the beginning of next season. Um, so if you want to get in on that, check it out. You can donate as little as $1. Um, it's just sort of to help us improve this podcast going forward and get new equipment and just basically make everything better. Is there anything else on the horizon we want to talk about projects wise?
0: uh projects wise i'm getting into i really want to do some weird off-season stuff where we kind of get into like stories of old players or old members of the redcoats mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. just people's yeah. experiences of being georgia fans over the years so. and I, we've been saying this a lot but i mean i guess it's sort of come to fruition with this
1: patreon stuff but you know we we do have sort of some projects on the back burner and you're gonna be you're gonna see some changes i think going forward but not not you know changes to what our philosophy or what we're doing at the core level are but just some like extra different kinds of episodes and some different people on the podcast. So I hope you're all excited about that. And I think as for release schedule, we're going to try to do one a week going forward. The only difference or sort of outlier from that would be, you know, if we have some sort of special narrative episode that goes out, you might get two in a week, but that would be sort of
0: separate from what our normal episode is. Yeah it essentially uh if you liked the like the national championship fan check-in that i did we'll do probably more stuff like that too um i really enjoyed doing that and i hope you guys did too the numbers seemed like you liked it so if that's not true then let me know this has been chapel bell curve you can find us online at
1: www.chapelbellcurve.com you can check out basically everything about us there, Patreon links, our uh, social media stuff. We've got, I've, I wrote a pretty big thing about the national championship and just the season that's still on there. Um, check it out. Uh, you can find us online on social media at Chapel Bell Curve on Twitter and Instagram. And if you just search Chapel Bell Curve on Facebook, basically just search that name and you'll see everything. If you'd like to, if you like what you heard today, feel free to give us a five-star rating on Apple uh, Podcast. It really helps our exposure and it just basically helps us get more listens and we would really appreciate that. Um, so yeah, we will catch you in the classic city until August, I guess, basically. Um, so until then, go dogs,
0: go dogs.